4: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am today to be talking to someone that I genuinely admire, and that is Russell Simmons. Now, I'll read you the official introduction, and then I'll add a little bit on Russell Simmons is a master entrepreneur and visionary who's influenced virtually all aspects of business and media. In music, with the co-founding of Def Jam Recordings, in the fashion industry, with Fat Farm, Baby Fat, Run Athletics. In television, with HBO's Def Comedy Jam, and Russell Simmons presents deaf Poetry on Broadway. With the Tony Award-winning stage production, Russell Simmons' Def poetry jam he is all over the place and he used to be all over new york city and still is sometimes but he has moved to los angeles now we miss you at the jiva Mukti cafe gotta tell you that and he is the proud father of two daughters welcome and thank you so much russell simmons hey so great to be talking to you i've been immersing myself in both your books i know you have three i haven't read the first one yet i'm kind of reading them three two one um but success through stillness i read when it first came out and i've been looking at uh, again and then i also just got into super rich you know when you're an old man you can be a guru
5: (laughs) i'm an old man now but i but I, you know, we all are gurus to some degree. We all can share something. Um, it's just that we have to make an effort. So I, you know, I I like I like to share what I've learned, and over, over the years I've learned. That I like um, I like the idea of being vegan. I like my morning meditation better than late night drinking. I like you know I've had all the experiences. You know I've had my nickname is Rush, so now I. <laughs> I find that operating from the still place, uh, I accomplish more without rushing. Right? My company's mm-hmm. name is Rush. You know, many of them, uh, Rush Communications, Rush Card, Rushes. So I, I I learned that stillness is greater than than uh, all the fluctuations in the mind that that um, cause all the sickness and the sadness. So I've learned that, but it takes time. Sometimes, sometimes you. A baby is born, he walks into the fire. Another baby can just say, no, nope, the heat, I'm not going there. <laughs> so we all we all have our different experiences and we evolve differently. So we all have something to share and we should make it our business because when we give, we get, we feel better. And it's, you know, it's our quest towards personal happiness, this idea of sharing. Well,
0: that's lovely.
4: I remember when you were talking about that you you done so many things and had so many experiences and you look forward most to your morning meditation You brought up for me a really old memory. When I was 14 years old, I sent a dollar into this teen magazine for a press card. And thousands of little girls had these things. But I used mine very seriously. And I started getting into press conferences with the Beatles and the other rock groups of that era. And I befriended one of the Beatles' managers. And I went to England right out of high school in 1968. And I can remember this, this gentleman coming over, Mal Evans, and they had just done the Maharishi thing and been to India and started meditating. And I was all excited about all this, as you can get when, when you're a teenager. And he kind of chuckled and he said, I've been everywhere and I've done everything. And meditation, man, that's all there is.
5: Well, nothing on the outside uh, compares to to make you happy, or to or to to create the, the world that you want to create, compares to a, a a knowledge of self. So the more you go inward, the greater happiness you have. The more you operate from inside out versus outside in, the more um, you know this idea of of a still mind. This is the only time you're happy is when the mind is quiet. It's the only time you, it's a second of quiet, a second, uh, you know, a shot of the sunset, you know, or a experience in a car accident when the present is the all there is. The slow motion that occurs, that's the speed the world is moving in. And we want to try to promote that state of consciousness when we are present. And meditation is the greatest toy, you know, to help us to achieve that.
4: Well, you wrote in Success Through Stillness that early on, before you'd heard about yoga or meditation, something in you knew that you needed some kind of meditative state and you got into long, hot showers and going to the Russian and Turkish baths. So what was in you that kind of knew you needed something?
5: Well, we all know we need it. We all are doing things. You know, we take alcohol to to numb the mind. We want the mind quiet. We want the mind turned off. There's too many thoughts. The less thoughts, the more... Conscious we are of the present, and the present is golden. So we want to live in the present moment, and things that shut the noise down—every toy—is uh, is what we're seeking. We don't know that cloudiness is not better than clarity sometimes. So clarity is what we're searching for, and uh, and um, or stillness is what we're searching for. And sometimes the alcohol, the drugs, and things like that seem to shut the mind down. And and you know they they numb it. Just too much noise causes suffering.
4: Well, tell us a little bit about Russell Simmons before you knew all this—before yoga and meditation and veganism. Same what was life like? Quiet the
5: mind. Took lots of drugs. Lots of lots of drugs. Um, I survived. Some of my friends didn't. Um, Certainly the war on drugs destroyed the community I came from, a great part of its culture, the war on drugs, by locking up innocent, diseased people and putting them in jail and educating them in criminal behavior, then dumping them back in the hood with no chance for employment. That was not a great experience. The last 40 years, the prison industrial complex over the last 30 years has paid to keep these laws on the books, We've taken our disease and caused jail culture in our communities, people who are not violent no threat to our society, became educated in criminal behavior, and we not given options. Um, 95% of the people who were uh, um, incarcerated under Rockefeller drug laws, it's just only one state, but New York State, 95% of the people, and remember that we all use and sell drugs at the same rate, 95% were black and brown. Not only is it an injustice, um, it is, um, you know, dysfunctional, but it is profiting the prison-industrial complex. Um, and so, therefore, the lobbyists, the politicians who work for the lobbyists, this is why I occupy, not for that one issue, but for all the issues that have to do with empowering um, people and the disempowerment of our communities. It is because of the pay-for-play government we have, which is not a democracy, um, because it is it is sold to the highest bidder. But anyway, that's a different discussion, but it's an important one, because it is a, a root of a lot of the problems that we have when it comes to empowerment for the underserved communities. But that's you know... But so we, 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 we're veering from the subject because the subject is spirituality, but I don't think we can be on a quest to empower ourselves without empowering our brothers and sisters. <clears throat> and so therefore, a spiritual person is a servant because he realizes that giving is the basis of his happiness, sharing. So what we learn, we share. And what we can change, we make effort to change to empower everyone.
4: That is really exciting. I remember running into this German fellow who worked for Amnesty International and just making conversation with saying, oh, and which countries have the worst human rights records? And he said, oh, China, Saudi Arabia, Iran, United States. And at the time, this was about 15 years ago, I I almost jumped because I'd been brought up, you know, a little white girl in Kansas City, Missouri. This is the best country in the world, and bad things don't happen here, at least not anymore. And it's its a rude awakening to see what is really going on and how we're all responsible for changing it.
5: We all can do our part. It is, look, no one can change the world, but each individual can change the lives of some and 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 that is changing the world and that is you know the source of our empowerment uh by by empowering others so that's that's our goal and our effort uh should be to to empower others because if if enlightenment is our goal if we want to live in a world where we have this presence i refer to one of the most important things meditation is a great choice but comic work is very good
4: well, this is one of the things that I love about being vegan because we're all going to eat every day anyway and to just eat in a way that saves lives and defends the planet is pretty exciting. There are, do-
5: parts. there are eight parts in the Yoga Sutras to enlightenment. Non-harming and non-lying, non-stealing. Those are the, the yamas, the social laws, ahimsa, non-harming, causing the least amount of harm. The worst karmic disaster in the history of this world, this planet, is the 40 billion animals that are born into suffering every year so that we can destroy the environment. Um, greatest cause of global warming times, too, is just the cow's gas. Um, so we can destroy the environment, waste all the resources, and and cause cancer in the masses. So that is the the animal abuse, the greatest comic disaster, forty billion born into suffering, dominion over the animals. Does it make any sense
4: It makes so little sense when you see how clear they are. I look at my little dog, my little dog Forbes, I gave him a capitalist name. <laughs> Because I wanted to be reminded every time I called my dog that the greatest wealth comes from those we love. And he's so good at being a dog, and he doesn't have to do anything to be a better dog. I mean, there's so much we can learn from nonhumans, but so often we choose to treat them in ways that are deplorable. Yes. So I just wanted to share with you something that you did for me that you don't know that you did for me. You are my favorite tweeter. And when I'm training my vegan lifestyle coaches at at Main Street Vegan Academy, I always give them some people that I want them to listen to certain orators. I want them to read books and I want them to read certain tweets. And you're such a balanced tweeter. That it's, you know, it's a little bit of yoga and a little bit of how to live. And then you got some pictures of your family. And it's very nice because I think it's easy on Twitter for people to get into this sort of harangue mentality. <laughs> you know, this is my thing and I'm going to tweet about it all day long. So congratulations on being my favorite tweeter. But several times I think in maybe different words, you have said, if you want to make money, help other people make money. And that well, I don't was don't want at- to make way. Well, (laughs) when I realized that was after I'd started Main Street Vegan Academy and it became very successful very quickly because people really wanted this this way to go out and do the, the good work that they wanted to do anyway, but do it as a business and make money. And then it came to me, oh, my gosh, that was one of those Uncle Rush tweets. So thank
5: you. You're very welcome.
4: And you say that's the only way to make money?
5: That's pretty much it.
4: I think that I love to look at these vegan businesses and how these beautiful young people like Leanne Hilgard at Vogue Tour just looked out and into the world and said, okay, where is the need? And, and I'm going to fill it. And I think that's probably not what they teach in business school, but it certainly seems to be working in the vegan community. So in Success Through Stillness, your, your latest book, the subtitle is Meditation Made Simple. But a lot of people would say, ooh, it doesn't seem simple to me. It seems really intimidating. What would you say to them?
5: There, I mean, all you need is a little patience. It's impossible not to be able to meditate. Everyone can sit and the mind quiets As the nervous system goes, so goes the mind every time, every time.
0: So, do your so, daughters benefit? Just sit,
5: be patient, and the mind will settle. Um, this, there, you know, I give a mantra, a mass mantra that for the collective to share. It's rum, rum, rum. The book is mostly the most basic research. The most basic that the brain, fun, the brain functionality grows dramatically. That ADD goes away. You don't need, in most cases, you won't need Ritalin. That that you have um, a stronger nervous system, which means greater immune system, that the left side and the right side of the brain um, has, starts disconnecting at eight years old. It starts reconnecting when you sit on a regular basis. Meditation, let the thoughts settle. You have hundreds of thoughts in your mind. If you sit calmly, your mind will first it will rebel, it'll go a little crazy. But when it's finished going crazy, it has no choice but to settle on. You'll say, oh, my God, I'm meditating. You just have to be patient, and you have to put the alarm for 20 minutes or so, and you sit. Pretty that, simple process.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: I think sometimes it's very frightening to think of, of 20 minutes of silence.
0: That's all right. We have, we, have,
5: we have 24 hours. We sit. We put the alarm on, and we just don't move. And we can scratch, oh. but we generally just sit. And the mind settles. And before we know it, five minutes in, three minutes in, you say, oh, my God, I'm meditating. And then the brain will bounce around some more like a monkey in a cage. It'll realize it has nowhere to go because you've already committed. And the mind settles always.
4: That's beautiful. It reminds me of the quotation from St. Francis when he said that thoughts during meditation are like birds flying around your head. It's fine that they're there. You just don't want to invite them to build nests in your hair. So we need to take a short break. We do have a caller on the line. And when we come back, there'll be more with Russell Simmons, author of Success Through Stillness, Super Rich, and my favorite tweeter. Stay with us.
6: Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly?
4: welcome back everyone i'm so honored to be having a conversation with russell simmons we're talking about success through stillness his latest book and many other things and during the break we did get a caller sandy welcome to the show
2: oh thank you
4: and do you have a question for russell i do hi russell hi hi um Russell, I I teach yoga and yoga nidra meditation as well as being a recent graduate of Victoria's Main Street Vegan Academy. And the workshop I'm preparing to present is called The Collective Heartbeat, Veganism as the Essence of Ahimsa. And with Thanksgiving approaching, can you speak to the spiritual aspect of veganism as the essence of Ahimsa during a holiday that's traditionally you know, ignored, uh, with, particularly with practicing yogis and yoginis. I find that
2: so many compassionate souls who practice yoga have not yet connected the practice of ahimsa to their food choices well, and lifestyle. Let,
5: let me say this. Mm-hmm. Yoga is growing. The physical asana practice is growing at such a tremendous yes. rate. People are practicing yoga in, in such, in, in mass, it is, it is phenomenal, the physical practice of yoga. But as you know, there are eight parts in yoga. I practiced physical yoga because there were cute girls in class.
6: <laughs>
5: I was past the Yoga Sutras. I read the Yoga Sutras a year or so into my practice 20 years ago. Uh, I started to study the Yoga Sutras, and it's a constant study. But as we know, just because someone says non-harming, there are many ways to practice non-harming. But no, no um, experienced, practiced yogi can ignore the amount of harm that we cause when we eat animals, when we wear animals. We realize that the treatment of animals of what you eat has been abused in the most um, inhumane way. And when we abstain from that practice, we then save the lives of hundreds, thousands of animals in our lifetime. Thousands of souls that we, each individual, can save by not contributing to that process. So when we use our voice, is why I said you cannot take spirituality and separate it from activism, from um, promoting lifestyles that are compassionate, and changing and finding the right way to get into people, the realization that the abuse of animals is against any scripture taught by any prophet, and any religious practice or any spiritual practice, any, religion, any of the great religions, certainly, and any spiritual practice must be accompanied by a compassionate diet. This is just, we, we condition ourselves, we read our scriptures the way we want to, we create uh, realities that are not um, consistent with our, with our philosophies, and we just go about our business. But when we become more awakened, and in different ways, at different subjects, at different times, we realize what our relationship to God, if, there, if, if we want to use that term, our relationship to the rest of the world is. We are one. We cannot escape the fact that the animal we eat is ourselves. This may be in some scripture crystal clear. It is being proved more and more by science every day. The quantum physicists realize, and when we look at the way the Earth operates, that the bee is necessary, the tree is necessary. We all are sustaining each other. Mother Earth is one living, breathing organism. We are part of Mother Earth. We cannot destroy Mother Earth and think that we are not destroying ourselves we cannot abuse animals and not think we are abusing ourselves but this is this is this is taught over and over again through thousands of years in different regions in different languages by the different prophets we have to learn that we are connected we may not learn early in life, but as I said, we evolve. And the more we evolve, we realize our connectivity. And as we realize it, we act on it. So, we have to become more compassionate. A vegan diet is a mandatory part of that process. Eating less animals is part of that process. Step your step, you know, people always absolute veganism, absolute um, Ahimsa. Who does that? People no walk one. around with masks on so that they don't suck in bugs. They sweep their mm-hmm. paths so they don't kill bugs. Depends on how evolved we are, how much we can do. How light our footprint can be. But we mm-hmm. must lighten our footprint. That's, that's just a simple reality that we learn no matter what we do we will learn over lifetimes to operate in order. Outside of order, it's like walking in between thorn bushes. You go outside of order, you scrape your arm. You hurt yourself when you hurt others. And this is part of operating in order. So wow. a vegan diet is very, very important, necessary. And you know, while we can't force it on people, we can find ways to put it in front of them and they will make the proper choice over time.
2: Mm, I sure hope so. Uh, I wish everybody you, could hear you say that. <laughs> yes.
4: Well, we'll just have to tweet it out there to the world so everybody does hear it. And all the best with your workshop. Thanks so much for your oh, call. Thank you. Thank you, and thank, Russell, you. And thank, thank you, you, Russell. Thank you, Sandy. So it's easy, I think, for some of us to love farmed animals because they've never offended us, and sometimes it's harder with people. And I know you've been on the Bill O'Reilly Show, the Sean Hannity Show. You've talked to people who have very different worldviews from you, and yet you seem to get along. How do you do that?
5: The practice is to love everybody all the time without exception. It's a practice. We don't spend time with people who really disturb us, take away our ability to be peaceful and give compassion and we don't go places where we find it separates us from the from our, our purpose is to evolve towards a higher self we try we fail but we continue to try to move towards enlightenment that's, that's all we can do so and 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 when we can educate someone we should make our effort We should find a way to speak to them so that the words go in rather than bounce off. (laughs) We want them to go in, threatening, yelling at people. Sometimes they just dig their heels in the sand and don't learn. But if we say things in a way that they can digest them, then perhaps we can change people and thus change the trajectory of not only their lives, but the lives that they will affect while they're here.
1: The, the
4: ripples are pretty magical. I know that you need to leave us in about a minute. So I just want to ask you one last question that comes from, from your book, Super Rich. You said that when you're super rich, you'll be able to see that happiness is actually a state of needing nothing. And I remember exactly where I was standing when I learned that in my own life. It was just a state of in that moment, I wasn't hungry. I wasn't thirsty. Every I just had everything can you just address that briefly and we will send you on your way to do more good in the world
5: nothing at every present second we need nothing always every present moment we need nothing so moving towards a state of needing nothing is a state of christ consciousness a state of nirvana a state of samadhi state of taqwa for muslims this state of needing nothing is a state of union and we want to work towards that
4: that's pretty perfect anything on the horizon for you you want to let people know about
5: no i'm working like crazy <laughs> i have fun having fun making movies tv records clothing i don't know financial and- services <laughs> and i run five charities i have lots of fun
4: It sounds like a great life inside and out. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, and thanks for all that you do in the world. God bless. Thank you. And everybody else, stay with us through these messages. We're going to be back with another very special guest.
1: Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? spiritual even the hosts of pop conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too melena don and stacy Macris ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every monday at 2 p.m central on pop conscious on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world
6: Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary brain repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems you can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering along with a new joyful sense of self increasing your physical emotional and spiritual health it's called wellness simplified join dr suka on fridays at 3 p.m central time and learn more about her healing method Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
3: You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan.
4: Welcome back, everybody. Now, before the break, I said I was going to bring you somebody special, and I was telling the truth. Because not only is our next guest special in her own right, but she's special in the yogic sense. And we just spoke with Russell Simmons, who is a yogi, and that is a lineage tradition. In other words, the wisdom and the techniques are passed from teacher to student. So how much more special could it be than to bring you Russell Simmons' teacher, and that's precisely what I'm doing. It's just with great joy and glee that I'm introducing you to Sharon Gannon, to whom you may already have been introduced by past books, and by her reputation as co-founder of Jeeva Mukti Yoga, Sharon Gannon is a 21st century Renaissance woman an animal rights and vegan activist and a world-renowned yogini, writer, dancer, and musician. She's devoted many years to exploring the role of diet and promoting physical, emotional, and mental well-being, as well as spiritual development, and her brand new book, Oh, my gosh, you have to see this book, Simple Recipes for Joy. More than 200 delicious vegan recipes. And it has the best cover that maybe I've ever seen on a book. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much, Victoria. Just looking at this cover, I see you and your wonderful life partner, David Life. Having a Mad Hatter tea party in the woods, how charming, Mm -hmm. and whose idea was that?
2: Um, I guess (laughs) I'm the one to blame for that. (laughs) I drag David into all kinds of adventures, Um, and so that was taken at our Woodstock home. We live in a 125-acre wild forest sanctuary in upstate New York, where we have many wild beings that we take care of, and so yeah, we we set that table up outside, and it's uh yeah, it it is a bit zany looking, but uh, why not?
4: Well, it's perfect because it's the idea of this is how we should be enjoying life. We have tea that I know you love. You talk about that in the book. I'm with you on that. We have a fabulous <laughs> layer cake. The cat is on the table. I totally believe in cats on tables. You have candles, you have nature, it's, it's just so lovely. In yeah. fact, all the pictures are so beautiful. I really want one of these books for my kitchen and one for my coffee table. And you oh. have an, another photograph with a little bear cub. Tell us about him or
1: her.
2: Mm. Um, we called him Orphy because he was orphaned. His parents were... Um, I don't know, we don't know what happened to his parents, but um, probably they didn't meet a good end. And uh, we have many bears, black bears, that live with us in this sanctuary. And um, and Orphy, I mean, he, he's he been with us since he was a really small baby. And when we were doing the photo shoot and we were setting up to do the photographs outside, all day long Orphy kept, Pestering us and um, you know getting into the uh, getting into the food and we'd have to shoo him away and um, and then at the end of the day I thought Sharon for goodness sake this is a great opportunity why are you shooing him away we should get him in the photograph and so the photographer Jessica who was there are two photographers in the book and Jessica did the cover picture and um and many of the other pictures in the book we set it up and we had Nicholas the cat and um and we just put um some of the I mean you, you can see the sandwiches in the picture They're they're quite stale because it was a long day of shooting <laughs> and we just threw some vegetables on the on the thing there and um and there was We we got Orphe right before he, he grabbed a big yellow squash.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, that is so charming. I don't know if you remember, but way back in 2007, my husband and I were looking at moving to Woodstock. We'd had a tragedy in our family and thought maybe getting away would be a good idea. And at that time, there seemed to be no cell phone towers serving Woodstock and I wrote to you and said what can we do about this how can we come to Woodstock and work without cell phones and you wrote back how wonderful it was to not have all that electromagnetic radiation interfering with the bears and the other wildlife
2: oh you know I've totally forgotten about that (laughs) until right now of course I remember you writing me and yes I mean I travel all over the world, as I'm sure you do, and um, Woodstock is the one place that I have found that you can be free from those microwaves. We don't have cell phone towers, and uh, we do have Internet, but we can unplug it, and it's really then unplugged, meaning that it's not just turning off your computer at night, but you can pull the plug and the electromagnetic... um, Microwaves um, are inert, and um, and I think that in the coming um, the coming uh, future, we're going to see that um, all of these cell phone towers and all of these microwaves are are not good for human health or anybody's health. And so I feel very fortunate that um, we truly do have a sanctuary and and all the. Butterflies and bees and the little insects and as well as the larger people, animal people and human, um, they seem to really appreciate that.
4: Well, you can feel it when you're somewhere where there's not so much interference, I guess, with your aura. There's there's just a certain sense of peace. I think we all need more of that. So back to your book, (laughs) your amazing, incredible book. First, it has such a beautiful title, Simple Recipes for Joy. I put the cover on Instagram, and somebody commented, I just read my that title and felt better. So what oh. inspired you to choose that title?
2: Oh, um, well, the title has a double meaning. The recipes in the book are simple in the sense that they're easy to prepare. They're not complicated. I'm a very busy person, and I'm sure many people these days are, and I don't have a lot of time to spend in the kitchen. If I, if I have to take more than an hour to prepare dinner, I feel I failed. So in this sense, the, the recipes are simple, meaning quick and easy. And the other um, reason for the title is that these recipes are vegan recipes. And that to be vegan is the most direct, simple way to experience joy in your own life and to promote more joy in the lives of animals and the environment and the planet. And the... So you can't go wrong. So it's the simple, most direct way to promote more joy. Well, oh, I couldn't
4: agree with you more. And I know that that's really at the heart of Jiva Mukti Yoga. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yes, yes.
2: Um, we define Jiva Mukti Yoga as a path to enlightenment through compassion for all beings. So, all beings means that. It means not just human beings, but animal beings, tree beings, um, the the being of the earth, and um, the practice of yoga traditionally was a practice to help one live more in harmony with with all of life, and um, that um, that strikes a chord with me. And around 1982, I became a vegan, and shortly after, an animal rights activist. And shortly after, a yoga teacher, because I felt that the teachings of yoga provided me with a platform to bring the message of veganism um, to those who were interested. People come to yoga because they want to feel more joy in their life, they want to feel happier, and um, not causing unhappiness to others is really the formula for our own happiness. And, of course, the SAD diet, standard American diet of meat and dairy products, promotes more sadness in um, in your own life if you're eating meat and dairy, certainly in the lives of the animals, and definitely in the planet. It's the cause, raising animals for food is the cause of our environmental devastation, for goodness sake. So why participate in anything that's going to... Bring sadness to yourself and to the world, for goodness sake. Why Why then? I mean, if we have a choice, always let us choose to be kind rather than cruel. That's the better choice. And through kindness, joy and happiness comes.
4: Oh, amen to that. I couldn't agree with you more. My next these are, are
2: fundamental teachings of yoga. Um, the Yoga Sutra say that The happiest person will be the one who brings happiness to others. And freedom, in Sanskrit, is called moksha or mukti, hence jiva mukti. Um, If you want freedom, then you cannot condone slavery. And, of course, the animals these days are all slaves.
0: Yes, yes. They're
2: exploited And and ultimately slaughtered, murdered. And so we live in a worldwide culture based on, on slavery. Slavery is not over in the world today. And by being a vegan, we, do, we stop supporting that. I mean, it's a, I'm an abolitionist, so I don't believe in slavery in any form. And as a yoga teacher, uh, my job is to teach others about liberation, and liberation is possible.
4: Amen, and you talk about that beautifully in one of your previous books. That is one of my favorite books ever, and that is Yoga and Vegetarianism. Anybody so who is interested that in yoga, that thank you. Oh, I I inhaled that book, and then I read it over again. And you oh. really um, explain the classic teachings of, of yoga. In a way that highlight the heart Which which is the, the kindness and, and the ahimsa And, and you oh. do that in the kitchen With simple recipes for joy One of my <laughs> favorite sections Is the chakra rainbow smoothies Everybody oh, these okay. days Is doing green smoothies Which are <laughs> fine But you know sometimes you just need Some other colors And you show us that the various colors Relate to the various chakras Tell us about those
2: Yeah so a chakra is um, it's a Sanskrit word, and it, it means wheel, but it actually refers to the levels of perception of self and other. And, um, and, and there are colors corresponding to each one of these chakras. And these chakras, I mean, you can't find them in a, in a, um, when you dissect a, you know, a dead body. They're in the subtle body. And yogis practice yoga to increase vitality in the subtle body. A lot of people think it's uh, for physical exercise, but it's actually to increase vitality in the subtle body, the energetic body. And um, it's said that when you purify the chakras, you become aware of this rainbow body inside of of your physical body. And um, you become luminous and radiant. And um, so I thought it would be fun to create uh, smoothies according to the chakras. And so um, the f- red is the color of the root chakra. And, um, and I also associated qualities to those chakras, like stability um, is, the, is the virtue associated with the root chakra. And then um creativity or sexiness to the second chakra, the uh swanistana chakra and the color is orange. And then confidence is the Manipura chakra or third chakra, and that color is yellow, and so it it goes it goes up um from the bottom to the top. And um I mean those those chakra smoothies are, are very popular in the Jivamukti Cafe in New York. Um and I think they're probably popular for a lot of reasons. One of which is we don't use ice. You know, a lot of places they use ice to water down their smoothies. Um, we freeze the the fruits, and so the the coldness and the the thickness comes from um, the fact that the fruits are frozen, and they're all organic, and um, and they're beautiful to look at. <laughs> well.
4: My plan is because there are seven chakras in seven days in the week to do a week with a chakra smoothie each day to symbolize the energies flowing up the spine and see how much more enlightened I feel when, well, I, when I get wonderful. to the seventh
2: one. Wonderful.
4: Yeah. And so speaking you, you of should Jiva- start. Mm-hmm.
2: You should start with the red one on Monday. I will. I will.
4: And I'll then end
2: with wisdom on Sunday.
4: Beautiful, lovely. And and you mentioned the Jiva Mukti Cafe. So anybody in the New York City area, anybody coming to New York City, you simply must go to the Jiva Mukti Cafe. In fact, as you listen to this program, if you're listening live, uh, the November 4th, the... Main Street Vegan Academy class will be dining at the Jeeva Mukti Cafe. We go there with every class group because not only is the food fabulous, the atmosphere is absolutely stunning, stained glass windows. It's just a wonderful, wonderful place to be. But it also has this pure, perfect energy of both yoga and veganism. So anybody who's looking for a place to dine in New York City and feed your soul while you're at it, The Jeeva Mukti Cafe is in the Jeeva Mukti Center, just south of Union Square. You'll love it, and then you'll want to go back. My favorite is the Montana Salad. Okay. Yeah, that's my regular... So speaking of tea, and I know Jeeva Mukti Yoga ends in I, but Jeeva Mukti Cafe ends T-E-A. You say in the book, other drinks appear crass compared to the elegance of tea. I love that. Why do you love tea? (laughs)
2: Um, Why do I love tea? It's it's more light. Coffee tends to be very heavy and and I don't know, so speedy, and um, uh, tea, it, it, it's elegant to, to, to drink tea, and um, it's clarifying, and um, um, oh, my goodness, I'm kind of a, a loss for,
4: for words there. No, no, we, we just need a <laughs> cup of tea, and, and then we'll know all. Now, I see that <laughs> I our time is almost up. I can't believe how fast this has gone, but I do want to ask you one more question, yeah. These recipes are what I would call liberally vegan, completely vegan, of course, but they contain oil and some will say brown rice or ripe rice. They're not necessarily gluten free. A couple have vegan margarine. And you know that a lot of people are afraid of some of these ingredients. And yet you and David are are two of the healthiest and most vibrant people alive on this planet. So where do you come down on dietary fundamentalism?
2: (laughs) Moderation. Moderation. Um, I mean, I do not compromise on veganism. But the other things, um, sugar or no sugar, um, garlic or no garlic, uh, raw or cooked, these are are basically preferences dietary preferences, I mean, unless you have a medical condition where, you know, you cannot eat gluten, or you have diabetes, or, you know, something like that, and that's a serious issue, and that should be paid attention to, and um, you should eat accordingly, yes. But, you know, I wrote this cookbook because I didn't want to present veganism as such a restrictive way of eating. And um, so I wanted um, I wanted a, a wider audience to to be encouraged to to be vegan. And so yeah, I have recipes for cake and ice cream and pies and cookies and um, yeah, and maybe kind of like what might be considered a little bit of junk food, um, uh, spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah, that's the reason um, I didn't want to present veganism as so restrictive.
4: Well, and you do it so beautifully that this book is filled with joy. You remind me of, I think perhaps it was my first yoga teacher whom I just learned is 90 years old and still teaching yoga. A little of what you fancy does you good. Sharon Gannon, God bless you. Thank you so much. The book is Simple Recipes for Joy, More Than 200 Delicious Vegan Recipes. Thanks so much, Sharon. Thanks, Russell Simmons. To all of you listening, God bless you lots, and eat those veggies.
0: Thank you.
1: May happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you.
6: This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary Brain Repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems you can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method.